This is IGPI podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Makoto Shiono, partner and managing director at IGPI. Today, we're going to be talking about Japan's sushi power with my colleague, Koki Sakata, CEO at IGPI Singapore. So nice to have you back, Koki. Hi, everyone. My name is Koki Sakata, and I'm the CEO of IGPI Singapore. Thank you for having me, Makoto. I'm very excited to be here again. We had many interesting discussions about Japanese anime in the last episode. It would be wonderful if you could really create a manga village in Danang, Vietnam. Yes, if we can produce a lot of contents in such a way that corresponds to regionalization, I think we can make the most effective use of creators and funds in the region. By the way, I heard that one of the shogi title matches will be held in Danang. I am thinking of going there since it is close from Singapore. Oh my god, I understand that. It's, it's good that Japanese talent's presence in other countries is increasing. Where will the shogi match be held? This time, the game will be held at Hotel Mikazuki in Danan. I hope that Japanese shogi will spread around the world together with Japanese culture like omotenashi. I just heard that in Vietnam, one of the popular contents of corporate training is omotenashi. Omotenashi. I see. It's wonderful that the culture like omotenashi spreads overseas together with the contents like shogi. Um, by the way, I heard that sushi restaurants are increasing a lot in Southeast, Southeast Asia. Is it the same in Singapore where you live, Cookie? Yes. The number of sushi restaurants is increasing. From high-end sushi restaurants that charge as much as $500 per person to sushi go-round restaurants such as Sushi Row, the sushi chefs at high-end sushi restaurants are not only Japanese, but also Singaporeans who have trained in Japan. I see that sushi is becoming increasingly globalized. Also in Japan, Tokyo's most popular sushi restaurants have a year-long waiting list for reservations. and. Although the fish market has moved from Tsukiji to Toyosu, the, the area outside Tsukiji is still crowded with the foreigners queuing to enter sushi restaurants. Could you tell us about the history of sushi to um, begin with? Sure. There are several theories about the origin of sushi, but it is said to have started in Japan around the 9th century when sushi was wrapped in rice mixed with vinegar to preserve it. At that time, Fish and sushi rice were not eaten together, but sushi rice was used to preserve the fish. So the history goes back 1,000 years. And it's amazing that the ancient Japanese discovered that fish would not spoil if wrapped in sushi rice. Yes, I think it is amazing. The cold chain infrastructure was not as developed as it is today, so they did their best to innovate on the product side. Later, over time, sushi spread as a fast food for ordinary citizens of Edo. In this period, sushi developed into nigiri sushi and rolled sushi that are similar to the styles of sushi that can still be seen today. So that's how it was. Sushi go-round restaurants such as Sushiro, which you mentioned earlier, still have a strong fast food flavor, right? By the way, you worked at the Sushi Go-Round restaurant, right? Yes, I did. My first part-time job when I was in the first year of high school 
was at a sushi go round restaurant. I was most excited about being able to eat leftover sushi after working. I think the statute of limitations has passed, but I was the one who made a lot of sushi right before the closing time. Joking aside, I learned a lot about the other side of a sushi go round chain. That is a、um, premeditated intelligent crime. What specific points did you learn there?、Uh, for example, at the sushi go round restaurant where I worked part time, the nigiri sushi was made by a person, but the gunkan was made by a sushi robot. I wrapped seaweed around the rice made by the sushi robot and stuffed it with ingredients. In other words, I was part of the conveyor belt with the sushi robot. Oh, so you're making products together with the robots. Sounds like、um, revolutionary experience. Exactly. Even now, I keep looking for something that ChatGPT can't do. So, what I do is the same as when I was doing in high school. Sorry, this was just a joke. <laughs> I, I didn't know that you make jokes too. What are the other advantages of sushi go around chains? Well, conveyor belt sushi is sold at a few dollars per plate. In order to make it profitable, we have been sourcing fish from all over the world since those days. I think that procurement ability is quite amazing. And they cook some of that in advance in the central kitchen, which lightens the load on the outlet side. This is exactly the kind of supply chain reform that takes place in manufacturing. The amazing thing is that they treat sushi as if it were an industrial product. It's really amazing to make a profit from that. What is amazing about sushi as a food is that while it's fast food,、um, there are sushi restaurants that charge $500 per person. What do you think about this point? I think we have to make a distinction between fast food sushi chains and art sushi restaurants. It's like the economics textbooks say why are sushi restaurants in Singapore so expensive? The wrong answer is they are expensive because land prices and labor costs in Singapore are high and fish must be flown in. That's right. The correct answer is because customers pay that price. Yes, exactly. If the customer is paying that price, the cost should not be considered. Brand value can be divided into functional value, service value, and emotional value. If customers find value and service value and emotional value, I think we should price accordingly. The idea of determining price by adding margin to cost is a manufacturing industry's approach, right? How do you think we can get rid of that concept? I think you're really right. In the case of fast food sushi, I think we should pursue QCD, which the Japanese like, that is quality, cost, and delivery time. This is because most of the brand value consists of functional value. But if you're pursuing service value and emotional value, you should need to think of a change of your mindset. I think we should analyze where the value chain customers perceive added value.、Mm-hmm. I see a point. What does the value chain of a sushi restaurant look like? Let's simplify it and divide it into planning, cooking, and customer service. So we can divide the planning into the planning of a restaurant and consideration of the menu, and the cooking into procurement and preparation. 
And lastly, the customer service into making and serving sushi in front of the customers. The value of a high-end sushi restaurant is probably determined at the planning stage when the planning of the restaurant and the menu are determined. Of course, I'm not saying that cooking and the customer service are not necessary as sushi chefs control the temperature of knives and rice and select and prepare seasonal ingredients carefully. But what I mean is that once the taste of sushi itself reaches a satisfactory level, any marginal improvements will not be appreciated by many people. Um, that's very true. I remember that uh, at the end of the feature phone era in Japan, the mobile carrier just focused to make it one gram lighter than the competitors. But it takes years to train for sushi, right? That's certainly what they used to say. I'm not a sushi chef, and it is probably true that the story of training contributes to the emotional value of a restaurant. However, considering the fact that people who train only a few months at sushi schools receive Michelin stars, isn't it possible to make master techniques at a satisfactory level without spending years? The Japanese are incomparably strong when it comes to so-called QCD improvements, but we, we should concentrate more on enhancing our brand value by increasing our emotional value. I think so too. There are cases where a sushi chef who earns only a few million yen in Japan can earn 100 million yen overseas. I also hear that in Japan, young sushi chefs in their 30s are leaving well-known restaurants to set up their own high-end restaurants. They can brand their restaurants the way they want to by doing so. Like their last anime, if the value is not recognized as legitimate, the industry will decline. What do you think? I think you're right, Makoto. Whether it is apparel or automotives, brand is just like a name attached to an industrial product in Japan. I think we should concentrate more on enhancing the emotional value of the product or service. If the Japanese are not good at this, why not work with foreigners who are good at it? Even for athletes like baseball players and football players, it is a clear fact that their annual income increases dramatically when they go abroad. I fully agree with that. From the perspective of foreign investors, it means that there are many very good investment opportunities in Japan, right? Yes, that is right. It would be faster if someone who is capable of branding overseas came to Japan and helped with branding instead of a Japanese person going all the way overseas. But if the price of sushi restaurants in Japan goes up too much, we won't be able to go to a sushi restaurants we do now, so, so please don't be too aggressive. So thank you very much for joining us today, Koki. Now we'd like to stop here and it will be continued in the next, exp- next episode. Thank you so much for listening to IGPI Podcast. Find us on igpi.com.sg for more information. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.